are now listening to I can't anymore. I can't sit here and pretend that the world is some beautiful wonderland when I'm living in a broken society. This isn't depression or anxiety. This is the result of a government refusing to take care of its average citizens. The same government that is only here because they invaded and stole that land. They killed innocent families for nothing more than a quick buck and to have nobody looking over their shoulder. Our country was built on freedom? You can't convince me of that anymore. America was built on greed. America was built by people who wanted to escape having to pay tariffs, only to tax the future generations for every penny they have. Our system is not what it once was. Long ago, those terrible people may have been living a half-decent life. We still see these families today living off of money from hundreds of years ago. I was always the person who said, you can't be upset. They were born into it. And if you were born into that kind of money, you'd be grateful too. The problem lies in the fact that the older I get, the more I realize that that's not true. How? How can you watch people suffering around you meanwhile you're buying your third house? How can you be so selfish that you steal from your employees so you can buy your sixth car? I have seen CEOs literally get away with skimming paychecks, and it makes no sense to me how they can do the things that they do. Aren't we all just living in this life together? I think that's the part people forget, though. I'll admit it, I'm guilty myself. But at the end of the day, we're all just humans. We were all just born into this world one day with no idea about what was going on around us or why. Most adults are still trying to figure out life with no real idea about what's going on. That's what makes it easy for the 1%, though. We forget how capable we are, work our butts off, and just want to come home, order a pizza, and watch TV. But I think it's time we start remembering. Remembering why we're in this life. Because it wasn't to dedicate our time to somebody else. I'll be the first to tell you, I have no PhD, so if you have any questions on specific facts that I seemingly reference, do your own research, and I do not mean that sarcastically. Change starts with hearing this. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. I don't want anybody to hear me and start thinking like me or anything remotely similar to that, because that's the farthest thing from what this whole experience is about. This is about reminding people to think outside of the box. Gravity isn't in the box. It's what's holding the box down. You know, we didn't learn about gravity until 1915. That's right. (laughs) 1915. People within the last 20 years have lived before we knew gravity existed. History is one of those things that seems boring until you take it out of the school environment, and then it's one of the most interesting things. Though, I must admit, 
I can get pretty upset learning about it. It's only been within the last hundred years or so that this country is shaped to be what it is today. As a kid, a hundred years was a long time. As I grew older, and as we all grow older, we realize that's just about a full generation. Maybe a little bit long for a life, but still a full generation. It's not a very long time in the grand scheme of things. But we've seen so many civilizations built, and some have crumbled throughout history. I'm just confused how a country as new as America, only a few hundred years old, can have so many integral problems. That might be a bit of a stretch. I know how America could be so poor off. When you don't take care of your citizens and turn a blind eye to their problems because a corporation promised you some money... It doesn't take long for that to catch up with you. Everyone keeps forgetting money is only real because we say it is. Imagine if we all stopped using money. We'd only trade things or services to bargain for what we want or need. Imagine the situation that would put the 1% in. Our dollars used to be backed by gold and silver. Until we didn't have enough to be able to back the amount of money that our economy needed. America was broke, essentially. So, what did the big dogs decide was best? Just keep printing. No, we don't need the precious metals. We'll just borrow something from China and keep going. Paying off one debt was just to dig themselves into a bigger hole, into a bigger debt. Have you ever gotten direct deposit? It's a funny thing to me, direct deposit. You never see the money. Some numbers just jump from one computer to another and boom, dinner. Your work was real, you're tired, but if your system were to crash, you'd also be hungry. I learned a few years ago that you can deny certain payment methods, including cash. You could have a million dollars in cash, and if some store says no, then that money means nothing. It's a game of cat and mouse. The rich people support those that they think will help their cause and bury those that they think will hurt it. Will anybody ever hear this? Who knows? Is it because I am a terrible speaker or a terrible author? Who knows? Or is it because it's about corporate greed and reminding Americans that being human is the point of life? Does that affect the amount of people that hear this at all? Who knows? That's just it, isn't it? We're always searching for a meaning to all of this when it's been in front of our faces the whole time. The meaning is to enjoy it. The meaning of life is to breathe the fresh air, to drink the fresh water, and to love those around you. The meaning to life isn't having the most houses. The meaning to life isn't passing a million dollars down to your children. The meaning of life is to teach those children how to grow up to be compassionate, intelligent, and strong human beings. We can't teach them that without doing it ourselves, though. The mysteries of reality are one thing, but the mysteries of each other are another. This account is about a young man named Terrence Williams. Terrence seemed to be very close with his family. 
He had followed his mother as she moved from the Carolinas to Florida. He had gotten a place to stay, which he shared with a roommate. To make things easier for himself, he had recently gotten a second job at the local Pizza Hut. This accompanied his employment as a construction worker very nicely. On January 12, 2004, Terrence Williams was invited to a party with some of his other co-workers from Pizza Hut. Due to his car being unregistered, his mom had dropped him off at home after his shift at work that day. Once he got home, he got ready for his party and invited his roommate to join him. But Terrence heard that his roommate was not interested in going to the party. He was left with only one option, driving his unregistered white Cadillac. So he set out. That is, until he was stopped by Deputy Stephen Calkins. Calkins noticed a number of infractions and had deduced that the driver was having vehicle malfunctions. He asked the driver, who happened to be Terrence, if he was having trouble. The driver reportedly stated yes, at which point Deputy Stephen Calkins approached the vehicle to discuss things further. Calkins has changed what he remembers after this point, from not remembering anything to, at times, giving very strange information. Once he has started to remember the details, it emerged that on January 12th, the same day that Terrence left for his party, Deputy Stephen Calkins had an unregistered white Cadillac towed. On the call to his dispatch, Calkins states that there is no driver around and says, and I quote, the homie is going to come back to his car gone. This is where my first question arises. As an officer of the law, you have to know anyone around can buy any car. But you called him, and again, I'm quoting Stephen Calkins, a homie. If the driver wasn't around, how did you know their race? But don't worry, the deputy has an answer for that. The driver, Terrence, told Calkins he was just headed to a shift at the nearby Circle K. He apparently then asked Deputy Stephen Calkins for a ride. In his deposition, Calkins states how nice of a guy Terrence was. He said that was why, even though his line of work should have kept him in a defensive position, he proceeded to let this nice guy into the back of his patrol car. I should stop to mention, the only reason we know any of this is because of his wonderful mother doing the investigative research, down to getting sworn statements from nearby workers who initially led her to the sheriff's department. At this point, Calkins states he drops Terrence off at the Circle K and warns him of his expired registration. Terrence stated that the valid one was in the glove box. Calkins then heads back to the Cadillac and realizes the glove box does not have a valid registration inside. He decides to call the Circle K gas station looking for Terrence. Why he does this is unknown. He already issued a verbal warning to Terrence Williams. Any further contact would be unnecessary. Calkins may suspect a lie about the registration, but lying to an officer in that situation can only be looked down upon. It would not have been illegal. The clerk at the Circle K states that she does not know anyone by the name Terrence, and especially not Terrence Williams. Calkins ends the call. This part had me scratching my head as well. Terrence was stopped in a car that wasn't legal, lied about his workplace, where he was headed, the fact that he had a valid registration, but he still gave an officer his real name. If someone were lying about everything else, what sense does it make for them to give law enforcement their true identity? Let's say for some reason that did happen though. There are plenty of unanswered questions left. After realizing that Terrence had lied about the registration and his employment, Stephen Calkins got the white Cadillac towed. He then called dispatch and reported the same story to them that he gave to the tow company. 
there was no driver. Even though this is the point where Calkins refers to Terrence as a homie on his dispatch call. The call is disgusting, and its main feature is an offensive accent put on by Stephen Calkins when reporting that there is no driver. Calkins then mysteriously goes back to the Circle K to look for Terrence, which, if nothing else, seems like a serious abuse of power. He already dealt with the situation, and any further contact is unnecessary. But that's even if it's how it happened. Deputy Stephen Calkins conducted no further investigation, and Terrence Williams was never seen again. This would have never come to light without the hard work of Terrence's mother and the honesty of the nearby workers who gave her sworn statements about seeing the white Cadillac stopped by somebody from the sheriff's office. The craziest part? That wasn't the first time somebody had disappeared under Stephen Calkins' supervision. Next week, we'll get into another necessary investigation, because we look out for one another here. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to episode one of You Don't Know Jack. Um, I'm here to teach you guys a lot about the universe, about the way that I see things, and maybe I'll have a portion of the show where I just get real and talk. Um, I think we might all like that, but for now, I'm trying something out and just seeing how it goes. Um, if you guys have any recommendations, you know where to send them. Um, Jack at designitjack.com. You can email anything there. Um, you can also, you can also send anything over to you don't know Jack at designitjack.com. Uh, you can email it there. Or look me up on Instagram at designitjack and you can follow me or message me or whatever you want to do. Just remember, this world might be strange, but we still look out for one another. For more confusing details about life and reality, check me out on the next episode of Be safe out there.